to direct ourselves to God. And so tonight is a chance to do that uh, through um, the receiving of ashes. And then after receiving those in the sign of our repentance and mortality, to come to the table and to be reminded that our hope is in the death and resurrection of Christ and not ourselves. Uh, just a couple notes that uh, uh, if you need the restroom, it's to my right through this hallway. Even though it's dark, uh, there is the, the, lights, the lights are on <laughs> in the restrooms. Um, also, there is a nursery in room 108 that's available throughout the service. And that is um, to my right as well in the same spot that it normally is on Sundays in the kind of just down the hall. Let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God in worship. Let's pray. Almighty God, you are holy and righteous and true. Have mercy on us. Father, we have fallen short of your glory, and without your mercy and grace, we would be but dust. Lord, grant us courage to come tonight with, op with the open hands of faith, to see ourselves as sinners, as people uh, in need of your rescue. And God, we know it is from the ashes, places of death, it is upon the cross that we behold hope and love and life in Christ. Lord, by your spirit, meet us this evening. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm upon the holy mountain. Let everyone tremble, for the day of the Lord is near. Please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Genesis, we hear the statement that we are dust and to dust we shall return. Ashes are an ancient practice as a way to mark out our mortality, that we are created and that we will return to the earth. It's also a sign of repentance, of lament, of acknowledging a need for help. And so tonight we invite you to come forward and Pastor Brian and I will uh, offer you the ashes in the shape of the cross as a way for us to remember and to receive this sign of our need, the reality of our limits, our lack of control, ultimately our mortality. It's also though a sign inviting us to trust not in our own strength, but in the strength of Christ, the one who has faced death and overcome it. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be to us a sign of our mortality and repentance that we may remember that it is only by your gracious gift that we are given everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Savior.
Push me from evil through and through. Cleanse me, O Lord, without within. All my transgressions, Lord, I know. I see my sin both day. The Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The New Testament lesson is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 to chapter 6, verse 10. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor and yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Alec, for reading from God's word. It's a sobering thing to, to hear the words of dust and you shall return to dust and to think about that for myself and to offer those to you as well. We're going to look at a passage from Matthew 6, um, the traditional part of Ash Wednesday reading. This is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I just want to take a, a few minutes for us to reflect on this evening, and specifically these words that Jesus spoke and one way to start thinking about them is to think about this word boast. If we boast in something, usually boasting is not a positive thing, but one thing that's interesting in the scripture is that it suggests, the Bible does, that it's part of being human, is to boast, that we all boast in something. It could be all sorts of random things, right? It could be that I'm fastest, I'm the strongest, I, you know. I stayed at my job and I was loyal or I left and I didn't get stuck. <laughs> you know, it can be all sorts of different sides. I have really nice clothes or I'm not materialistic. I went to the right school or I don't care about things like grades. You know, I'm focused on learning. We can boast in all sorts of things. To be human is to boast and boast means putting your confidence in something. Therefore, then it kind of forms a sense of identity about who I am and kind of what I do and and so the interesting thing about scripture is that it says that we all boast, and it's just a question of how that works. Uh, we can do it in a prideful way. Prideful boasting is when we kind of find our identity or boast in our strength, our goodness. That we have a category that allows us to lift ourselves up or maybe push others down. But scripture tells us it, you know, not to stop boasting, but rather to boast in the Lord invites us instead of proud, being proud or having pride, to have a humble spirit, to remember the things that we do have, the gifts that we have are, are given to us, 
and that there's much in life that we can't control, and so we're dependent upon God for our life and for his grace. And this gets summarized in Jeremiah 9, a verse in which it says, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is what the Lord says, Let, the wise, let, let not the wise boast in their wisdom, or the strong boast in their strength, or the rich boast in their riches. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they know me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. We all boast in something. And I share that as a way to start because I think when Jesus talks about our treasures, he's talking about a similar idea, that we all boast in something. We also, all of us, have treasures. To have a treasure is to talk about something that we seek after, kind of our highest ambition or our highest good. This is what I want my life to be about. And so it's not the question of like, do you have a treasure? But rather, what is the treasure that you are seeking? And Jesus says, wherever that treasure is, whatever identified treasure you have, it it will give you a sense of yourself. For whatever your goal is, whatever your highest ambition is, whatever you said is your highest good, there will be your heart. There will be your very self. And so in this evening, Jesus is inviting us to think about where we boast or what we seek. And in doing that invitation, then Jesus points out that there's different types of treasures. There's the treasures of earth and there's the treasures of heaven. And it's important to see these distinctions, heaven and earth. It doesn't mean that the life here doesn't matter or what we're doing now doesn't really matter. It's just about heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's, he's rather asking what kind of treasures we seek, ones that are about us or this place or ones that are connected to who God is. And so Jesus starts with earthly treasures, and he says that treasures on earth, they either rot by natural threats such as moths or rust, or earthly treasures are taken away by human threats like greed or thieves. And this is a traditional passage in Ash Wednesday, like I said, because it acknowledges the impact of time or the effects of age. That we can gather something, that we can have something that we think is really valuable, but even if we hold it, it can slip away. It can be taken or it can fade over time. It's a passage that invites us to think about the uncertainties of living in a fallen and broken world. See, we boast or we seek treasure because we think that they will give us a sense of self or a sense of security. But what Jesus is saying is that because of decay and because of time and because of loss, treasures on earth do the opposite. They do the opposite of security. They become actual sources of anxiety and worry. Will I have enough? Will I be accepted? Will I overcome the next challenge that comes at my way? Am I strong enough or am I smart enough? Am I interesting enough or whatever that might be? You see, Ash Wednesday invites us to acknowledge our limits. The limits of time, the limits of energy, the limits of our knowledge, our lack of control. And in the face of these very real limits, 
the question is, what do we do? What treasure do we seek or where do we boast? It's in the face of these very real limits that it's possible and it's very tempting for us to seek treasures on earth as Jesus describes them, things like money, reputation, success, pleasure. And such earthly treasures leave us grasping, ever more busy, surrounded by endless demands, expected to always do more, always gather more. And I want to be clear that just because it talks about earth versus heaven, that we can have the same mentality about spiritual practices, whether it's our faith or theology or church participa participation, they can become one more way in which we seek to be noticed or gain a reputation, one more way for us to feel like we're right or above others, one more way for us to be busy or to chase. If we set treasures on earth as our highest good, our hearts will follow. We can think through this, and we know this in our own experience. If money is the highest good, then greed will be the air that we breathe. If pleasure is our highest good, then we will use others and chase self-indulgence. If my goal is to impress others and have a good reputation, then my center will be always pulled by people or what they respond with, always pulled by the pursuit of certain titles or whatever I think will prove my standing. And so Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And my hope is that as you hear this tonight or hear those words, that we can remember that Jesus says them to us because he loves us. He invites us to think maybe differently about success or about what we should pursue or what we should boast in because he loves you. And he's offering words of disruption that we may see that the treasures of earth inevitably lead to disappointment and to despair and to exhaustion. Chasing things will leave us empty. They will not last and they're not worth your life and they will not give you what you are seeking. And so Jesus calls us to seek heavenly treasures and we can ask, you know, how do we do that or what does it mean to store up treasures in heaven? And it's not just about the future, you know, like that heaven is just where we go when we die, but it's rather an invitation to seek God as our highest good. It means to affirm that the highest treasure that you and I have is Christ. That in all these gifts, these good things that we might pursue or the good things we might do, that above them and overarching them is the God who made us. And that you and I are invited to do in all of our daily life and all of our tasks is to live in union with Christ. To learn to love God and love our neighbor. And such seeking then is marked with generosity and mercy and humility. Confessing of sin and honest grief and acknowledgement of the pain of life. A restraint and self-control that honors others, not pushing them down. 
humbly acknowledging the things good in my life are gifts from God. That we seek ultimately God's praise and not the world's. And there's a, a novel by Marilyn Robinson that has a scene in which the person describes that there was a storm outside and that in the storm, her bird fled flown into the house, somehow it got in through the chimney or through an open window and that the, the bird was trying to find its way back out of the house and that the author writes that it, as it went around the house, it left a blessing in the house. It was a wildness that had brought a new energy, a new wind, eventually making its way out. And maybe if you can picture such as that, a, a bird that comes in and stirs up a room of a house or the house as a whole. That's how I think maybe of these words in a Ash Wednesday. That Jesus is inviting us to think again about where we seek our treasures. What do we think is the highest good? What is the pursuit of my life? And he's actually inviting us to, to acknowledge our limits to acknowledge all the temptation of chasing things that will not satisfy, and to remember again that there's something other than ourselves. There's a wildness that he invites us to feel, of being out of control, our own limits, that we might find something greater than what the world offers us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that by your spirit that we'd hear these things and that you allow us to see us anew that we may repent of chasing things that will not satisfy and that we turn our hearts to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, having heard God's word, uh, we'll, we're gonna move to a time of confession. We'll do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet personal confession. Merciful God, we confess that we have been a rebellious people. We have broken your covenant and we have tolerated injustice in our hearts and in our city. Lord, have mercy. shared our food with the hungry. We've not sheltered the homeless. We've not welcomed the stranger and the foreigner. And we have not aided the destitute. among ourselves and the world looks at us and asks where is their God?
Let's take a moment of quiet personal confession. Father, we confess our sin and the ways that we have moved away from you and sinned against others. Lord, in your mercy, lead us into repentance. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Let's stand now to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 103. Let's join together. The Lord does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. So as we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ.
be seated. Well, we came forward to receive the, a sign of repentance that we need help and a sign of our, our mortality and limits. We're now invited to come forward to the table that God has given to us in Christ, a table that reminds us that we are not alone, that our sin and our guilt and our shame is not the final word in our life, that death is not the final word. For this table tells us in the body and blood of Christ that he is the final word, the one who entered into our death, rose and brought new life. He entered into our sin to bring forgiveness. He entered into our shame to lift our heads that we may be called children of God. So it's one thing for us to know our need, but we're invited to also know God's love for us in Christ. And if you know that love and have faith in Christ, then come and eat and drink and be reminded that you're not alone. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this table be a witness and an invitation to come and know that there's something more than our own strength and our own resources. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table. And I pray, Lord, that you set apart this bread and cup that you may meet us by your spirit to minister to us. That you'd speak your words of hope into our despair. That you'd speak your words of mercy and forgiveness into our shame. And that you'd speak the promise of life and resurrection into our great need and mortality. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that he was portrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, you do, do so in remembrance of me. For often we eat, drink this cup and eat this bread, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Pastor Brian and I will stand up front and we invite you forward to receive the bread and the cup. And we ask that you would hold them until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not taking communion uh, this evening, we still invite you to come forward. Just put your arm across your chest and we'll offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table.
The body of Christ was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. I invite you to stand, and as we respond to this table of grace, that we can pray and sing and confess as God's people. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, for nourishing us in Christ. By your Spirit, assure us that we belong to your family and are heirs of your everlasting kingdom. Help us to offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice as we proclaim the mystery of faith. to join together in affirming our faith standing in our place jesus suffered during his years on earth especially in the tortures of the cross he carried god's judgment on our sin his sacrifice removed our guilt god raised him from the dead he walked out of the grave conqueror of sin and death lord of life we are set right with god given new life and called to walk with him in freedom from sin's dominion.
receive God's blessing. May the God of peace sanctify you completely, that your whole spirit, soul, and body will be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.